Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, territorial epidemiologist Dr. Esther Ellis provides an update regarding the Department of Health's pediatric lead level testing initiative. The Department of Public Works will seek more funding from the legislature for the Pauley Joseph Stadium project. Registration is open for Little League on St. Croix. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. At today's Government House press briefing, Territorial Epidemiologist Dr. Esther Ellis provided the community with an update regarding the Department of Health's Pediatric Lead Level Testing Initiative. This week, the VI Department of Health's Epidemiology and Laboratory Divisions are continuing the pediatric testing for children zero to six years old at two sites per day at the Community Health Van near the Modulars in Estate Richmond and on a school campus. Hours of operation at our community health van are 8.30 to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday, and we ask that parents pre-register and give consent online at our Beacon USVI portal at health.usvi.care forward slash pediatric dash lead dash testing dot html. The lead test will be provided at no cost to the child, and parental consent is required upon registration before the test can be scheduled. Since expanding to accommodate requests from parent-teacher organizations to provide lead testing on campus, six schools have asked that the service be provided on-site. Our upcoming on-campus testing schedule is as follows. Lumaco Elementary School today, Good Hope Country Day School tomorrow, Tuesday, November 14th, Claudio Marco Elementary School, Wednesday, November 15th, St. Croix Montessori School, Thursday, November 16th, Ricardo Richards Elementary School, Friday, November 17th, and Eulali Rivera Elementary School, Monday, November 20th. If you have a child under the age of six attending any of these schools previously mentioned and have not yet registered them for testing, there is still time to get them registered. To date, the epidemiology and laboratory divisions have tested 118 children on the island of St. Croix, with four detected and pending confirmation. Venous blood draws are being completed for these four. Residents with health concerns related to lead exposure and testing may call the Poison Control Center at 1-800-222-1222. For more information about lead testing, you can call the Department of Health Hotlines at 340-712-6299 or 340-776-1519 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday. Communications Director Richard Mota gave details about an upcoming meeting regarding the potable water distribution system on the island of St. Croix. Join us live on Facebook at the Government House USVI page or on the Government Access Channel tomorrow, Tuesday, November 14th at 5.30 p.m. for a virtual information session on the St. Croix water quality issue. Uh, in this moderated session, we will de delve into the recent findings of the elevated lead and copper levels in certain areas of St. Croix. Our esteemed guests will provide in-depth insights and updates on this urgent matter. Hear from WAPA CEO, Andrew Smith, 
DPNR Commissioner Jean-Pierre Oriol, and Health Commissioner Justa Encarnacion. They will cover a range of topics, including water sampling results, lead exposure testing, and the operational aspects of water distribution. More importantly, they will discuss the immediate and long-term steps being taken to address and remedy this crisis. For more information on the territory's response to the St. Croix water quality, visit vi.gov forward slash JIC. Again, that website is vi.gov forward slash JIC. The management of the Virgin Islands Museum, Civic and Cultural Center coordinated the restoration of monuments in Educators Park in historic Charlotte Amalie St. Thomas. We spoke with chairman of the Civic and Cultural Center, Myron Jackson, to tell us about the initiative. I recently got inquiries. Uh, we started this project last year from Mrs. Alda Monsanto concerning the deplorable conditions of the monuments located in Post Office Square, known as Educators Park. They pay tribute to three noted Virgin Islanders, they are. The first one that was placed there was Jose Antonio Javis. The second is Edith Williams, an educator, and she advocated for the right of women to vote in the territory and filed a case with several other noted Virgin Islands women who are all educators. The third is Rachel Francis, who is the father of our organic act. Those are the three educators. So as a result of that, we got funding from several sources, knocking on doors. Rotary Club of St. Thomas came forward and Merchant Commercial Bank. And the third is the Virgin Islands Museum Civic and Cultural Center. Uh, those are the three donors. In addition to uh, the efforts of uh, those who have assisted on site, we contracted Tom Elliker, who is a noted uh, sculptor uh, in the Virgin Islands, and he received a contract for the cleaning, conservation, and rehab, or uh, the restoration of these three monuments. Mr. Jackson spoke on whose responsibility it is to maintain the monuments. The park is designated under the protection and management of sports, parks, and recreation. So they're technically, they're responsible for this green area designated Educators Park. And because the monuments were placed there, they also have some oversight. But recognizing that in the territory, monuments that are erected really don't have a caretaker of sorts that manage and care and protect them, meaning that if that was in place, these monuments would be maintained on a regular basis. Every two years after they're cleaned, conserved, and polished. And we recognize this in coming forward as a community group that this is going to be an ongoing issue of how these monuments are going to be cared for. And it is our desire to create a fund that would put in place a management team, uh, possibly under the Council of the Arts or a committee under the Council of the Arts or Historic Preservation 
or the Virgin Islands Cultural Heritage Institute, which would have played a significant role in this um, uh, care and management of our cultural resources, but it's presently dysfunctional. While talking with host Leslie Comision on the recent episode of the WTJX TV series, Comes with a Territory, Love City Strong Executive Director Megan Enright answered the question on how the organization has been able to build more homes on the island of St. John than the number of homes combined in the territory under the Housing Finance Authority. There's a couple of points. One is our program is funded by private philanthropic dollars, and so there is not a lot of limitation on how we use or spend that money. But um, it also is a limited pool of funding. You know, we've spent less than $10 million dollars um, to date on this program. So we are capped sort of at what we can do because we have to fundraise for any further uh, repair. Um, but I think being small and being a nonprofit has actually worked to our advantage because we are able to be flexible. We're able to sort of pivot as we learn, um, you know, what processes are working and what processes aren't. But honestly, the biggest advantage I think is um, transparency and clarity of communication with our clients. Um, so many people have gone through so much and it's very stressful and traumatic to go through housing recovery oh, yeah. after you've already been through a disaster. I mean, so many of us know that the stresses of that experience. And I think the fact that we are a community led organization makes it easier for people to be comfortable, um, and to open up with their recovery, their housing recovery process. Is there a possibility or a scenario in which Love City Strong could work with the Virgin Islands Housing Finance Authority? And if there is, how do you see that relationship working? I would love for that to be a possibility, and it's certainly a conversation we continue to have um, with VIHFA. Um, I think we're open to many solutions, uh, and and you know we're happy to be nimble and adapt whatever we can do to, to help serve that purpose. You know, we really believe that this is a, a big pool of funding that can help a lot of Virgin Islands families, a lot of St. John families, and we're happy to help that move forward in any way that we can. You're in the WTJX news feed. During the Senate Committee on Budget and Appropriations, lawmakers voted in favor to fund continued construction work of the Polly Joseph Stadium by approving the governor's request for $5.1 million. In his response to Senator Marvin Blyden, Department of Public Works Commissioner Derek Gabriel highlighted that they would have to come back to the legislature to request additional funding for the project. Commissioner Gabriel, are there any other items in addition to this $5.1 million that we, that we anticipate adding to this list? Derek Gabriel, Commissioner, Department of Public Works. Um, yeah, so if you notice, there we didn't include anything in this one for the Crucian Christmas um, Village. Um, and a lot of that is because the current design that's, that's being contemplated actually has a significant impact on the Clomar as well, the floodplain. So in order to avoid delays, um, we didn't include that at this point because we're looking at, we're weighing our options. Um, you know, because again, we don't want to delay the project any further than we have to. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to minimally impact the floodplain while also maximizing on the opportunity to create a festival village. So I do think at some point in the future, we may need to speak to this body about more funding for our Christmas village. Mm -hmm. Senate President Novo Francis continued to push for further details regarding issues with the department's conditional letter of map revisions. To the Clomar, obviously um, what we're hearing here is that the 
rationale behind of not um, including the Christmas festival uh, village build out at this time is because you're seeking the complete approval of Clomar and that in fact, if, um, if you're allowed to go with the current design of the Christmas festival, that would present some challenges for the Clomar. Is, is that correct? Or can you further um, identify the technical issues in regards to the approval of the Clomar? So, Senator, based on the current scope with the chain link fence and no Christmas festival, we do have an approved Clomar. And conditions of the Clomar are in that section, uh, scope of work items that we must do to be consistent and compliant with the Clomar. The addition of the concrete wall and festival booths, though those designs would need to be presented back to DPNR to make sure that they are compliant with our CLOMAR requirements. Very well, and that design have not been done yet. That is They're, correct, Senator. That's still pending design. Correct, Senator. Senator Donna Frick Gregory, seemingly annoyed with responses, pushed for further clarification on whether the site could be utilized for the St. Croix Festival. Can we have the Crucian Christmas Festival on that site absent of those other ancillary items that's necessary for this project? So, so I think in order for us to answer that question, design is going to continue parallel in parallel with the current scope that we're discussing. Um, we're hoping that at some point in that parallel design that we could finish the design for the Festival Village and come back to you with some definitive answers so we could say this is what this $3 million will look like, this is what we'll spend it on, and hopefully we'll be able to deliver it with the full project in the first quarter of, I'm sorry, in the last quarter of 24. While discussing systemic issues of the prison system in the Virgin Islands, Maria Morris, attorney for the American Civil Liberties Union, spoke with Archie Jennings, host of Ability Radio, a program of the Disability Rights of the Virgin Islands, about the ACLU's ongoing litigation with the prison in the Virgin Islands. One thing you can explain to the community is, is there, what are the steps being taken to separate minor, you know, what I would say temporary jail holders from the hardened criminals? One of the issues that is a subject of our case is classification. And that's precisely what that is about. Classification is more than just what you're accused of. It's also, it also takes into account uh, various factors about your life and also your age. One of the things that we are looking forward to is uh, having a more robust classification policy that will be drafted together with the expert monitor on classification. And the monitor on classification in this case is um, the, the premier classification expert in the country for prisons and jails. One of the other things that he's going to be working with them on is having a better understanding of what an appropriate size of the jail is. Um, because as it is, there are a lot of people who are in the jail who stay there for a very long time pre-trial. Um, while we were there for our uh, for the monitoring tours earlier in the summer, someone was transferred from the jail to the mainland U.S. Um, for mental health care, but he had been in the jail pre-trial for over a decade. Uh, so having people sitting in the jail for that long is an injustice in itself. You know, 
you haven't decided, like no one has decided that this person is guilty and yet they've spent 10 years in jail. You can listen to the full conversation on the WTJX app. Season three of the WTJX TV series, The Bookcase, will air this evening. Before its premiere, we spoke with host Shauna Richards to tell us about the inspiration for the show and what viewers can expect with the new season. The inspiration for Bookcase really comes from giving people a platform. So many times we find that we are not celebrating the talent that is literally right under our noses. And when these people are no longer here with us, then we celebrate them. So this is really an opportunity um, to celebrate the fullness of um, Virgin Islands talent and help to expose our community to the amazing people that are doing great things and great work right under their noses. Viewers can expect from season three a diverse range of Virgin Islands voices and talent. We have younger authors, we have older authors, we have science fiction, fantasy, um, history. We have just the diversity of Virgin Islands talent and people telling their stories. This evening's premiere of the bookcase will feature St. Croix native Bradley Christian and his book, Quadrille. Tune in at 8 p.m. on WTJX TV, Channel 12. You are in the WTJX News Feed. The National Park Service is holding a public meeting on Thursday, November 16th at 5.30 p.m. at the Visitor Center in Cruz Bay, St. John. The meeting will update the public on two projects for the Virgin Islands National Park. The first project to be discussed is the plaque that will be installed at Ramhead to commemorate the 1733 rebellion of the enslaved in St. John. The second topic is about upcoming asbestos removal at Canil Bay. The start date is planned for November 28th and on-site removal should last approximately three to four weeks. There is no public comment at this time for any of the plans. The office of the Lieutenant Governor is advising the public that effective today, the St. Croix Office of the Tax Collector and Cashier Services, located at the Leroy Quinn Finance Building in Sunny Isles, will be temporarily closed until further notice. The closure is due to a strong odor in the building, which is affecting the health and comfort of the occupants. On-site cashier services will continue to be available at Government House in Christiansted, at the Lagoon Street Commercial Building in Frederickstead, and at the Prince Street Author Abel Complex in Frederickstead. The St. Thomas St. John Historic Preservation Committee announced that its scheduled meeting will be held on Tuesday, November 14th at 1 p.m. The meeting will take place via Teams. The public is invited to attend. For registration, contact HPC Coordinator Patton Mulford at 340-776-8605 or patton.mulford at dpnr.vi.gov. The agenda is subject to change. The Elmo Plaskett East Little League held elections on Thursday, November 9th at the David C. Canagata Recreational Center. To tell us about the election and the coming season is Board President Dennis Lynch. We have five new incoming members, four members returning. Um, so that is nine members in total that um, fills out the entire executive board for the Little League starting hopefully by late January, early February. 
So with the board in place, now we can actually go ahead and situate the scheduling, um, different policies and procedures, and just basically creating an environment for the children as in Croy. You know, baseball is just a conduit, you know, to help them to be better citizens, to be productive in school, you know, give them that mentorship that is needed. Mr. Lynch stated that registration is currently open. We have different spots, like we had the clinic up by the top field by D.C. Canigera, so it was open there. We also have different outlets like Facebook that we have the electronic registering. We'll also be by the, the Jerry Brown Baseball Classic next week, um, starting from Friday to Saturday. We'll have open registration there as well, too. We will also have open registration at the Dennis Bro Baseball Invitational, which is set to begin at in January 12th to the 14th, 2024. So there are a lot of different avenues as well as it has um, a co-ed baseball and softball league that is started at Basilio Ballpark. That we also have open registration. So there are different platforms that um, parents will come out and get their child registered for Little League. For those interested in getting involved, you may inquire at epelvi at gmail.com. We turn now to our regional report. The island of Dominica is creating the world's first marine protected area for the endangered sperm whale, one of Earth's largest animals. The government announced today that nearly 300 square miles of waters on the western side of the island will be reserved as key nursing and feeding grounds. Less than 500 sperm whales are estimated to live in waters surrounding Dominica, and part of the population moves along the Lesser Antilles chain, swimming as far as St. Vincent and north into Guadeloupe. Sperm whales have been hit by ships, entangled in fishing gear, and affected by agricultural runoff, limiting their survival. The government of Dominica said that the reserve will allow sustainable artisanal fishing and delineate an international shipping lane to avoid more deaths of sperm whales. Once the reserve is created, Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt said his administration will appoint an officer and observers to ensure the area is respected and that whale tourism regulations are in force. An estimated 35 families of sperm whales spend most of their times in waters surrounding Dominica. As we update the news feed, we turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Wegblars. At St. Croix, it's mostly sunny. There's the chance for a shower at sunset. Temperatures will hold in the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 20 to 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find a few more clouds and a few more stray showers towards sunset. Temperatures will also hold in the upper 80s to near 90. Winds from the east at 10 to 15. Gusts as high as 20 to 25. Any scattered showers at both St. Croix, St. Thomas, and St. John tonight will give way to mostly clear skies. Temperatures will fall back into the middle and upper 70s. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. Gust as high as 25. St. Croix sees a mostly sunny day on Tuesday. Temperatures will reach the upper 80s to near 90. And at St. Thomas and St. John we'll find a few stray showers early and then mostly sunny skies to the afternoon. It's warm too. Temperatures in the upper 80s to near 90 with heat index values as high as 102 through the afternoon. That's the latest look here. Short-term forecast, I'm meteorologist Eric Wedlars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you miss a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We now join All Things Considered in Progress.